consciousness is like so rich with potential and that potential has never left us. You know, our experiences tend to sort of feel us close off to potential. Like, oh, well, when I was 20, I had my whole life ahead of me, but now I'm 60. It's like, I don't know. Old dogs don't learn new tricks or whatever. But no, that, but that consciousness, that, and that's why, you know, our answer lies in consciousness. It's not so much in our external actions, you know. Welcome to the Recover Yourself Podcast. I'm your host, Martin John, and this is an episode and topic that I've been wanting to present for a long time. I look at the big picture all the time. When I was studying art, it informed me so much about history than I was ever able to learn in history class. And while that experience may seem obvious, these two subjects were never taught at the same time, and I never put them together. Witnessing evolution is kind of like that. If We can look back to early radio shows, movies, and books. And if we do that with an understanding that we are always evolving, we can see how our thoughts, actions, and processes are considerably different. We often look at evolution in this physical way, like our bodies change, because that's how it was framed for us in school. But it is happening around us all the time. It happens slowly, usually. These days, Stepping into our consciousness is the biggest part of our evolution, and it is no longer moving slowly. Our access to consciousness is spreading very fast, and the violence in the world today is evidence of a last-ditch effort. Of course, consciousness and evolution is a huge topic, and I'm bringing in Alan Baker, a man who has spent many decades connecting to consciousness through his work. I hope this episode is seen as a primer to broaden the conversation of stepping into our consciousness. How is consciousness evolving and how is it waking up and how can we, where can we see that? You know, we talk about evolving consciousness and how consciousness of humanity is evolving and, and, you know, and there is the aspect of humanity in many ways is more conscious than it was of like a broader range of things in this world and also I would say sort of multidimensionally you know there's just a lot of uh, people expanding their consciousness in many different ways you know back in the 60s psychedelic era you know for myself you know a lot of that was involved with drugs but but it's not that just that it's just so many ways we expand our consciousness you can just go into nature and expand your consciousness you know so um, even the most subtlest things uh, if you're paying attention, can expand your consciousness. You know, we have this idea of like expanded consciousness, you know, but sometimes the smallest things can make an incredible difference. And oftentimes when we feel we need to make a change or we need to evolve in some way, it seems like such an overwhelming task in a way um, that it can be kind of, uh, we can get easily demoralized. But the thing that really makes a difference is the smallest things. I'm not an airline pilot, but I like to use the example, so I'm not really talking with a lot of uh, technical knowledge about this. But my under- I think the point is made that if you're, you know, you're going to fly from Chicago to Peoria you know, on your little airplane, and you set the parameters to, you know, and you, the, the dial is one half of a degree off, you know, you'll land in Peoria and probably just a little off center to the runway or maybe just off the runway. 
but that one degree, if you were flying from Chicago to Sydney, Australia, you might end up in Tokyo. Um, in, and, you know, the point being that that incremental shift as it goes out, you know, it increases exponentially, the, the difference goes out, you know, reverberates, you know, over time to be really significant. So the really smallest, you know, you become aware of a leaf that really moves you in, in the nature. Uh, if you're really paying attention, you know, and you allow that to affect your consciousness, it goes in. And when it goes in, it really affects who you are. So I think a lot of it has to do with paying attention. I feel like anybody listening to this, even myself, it's like, okay, well, I mean, I have ways that I can uh, incorporate this idea of paying attention. But what does that, like, like you notice a leaf, like you mentioned earlier, what, what is that? What is that? What is paying attention? Well, that's a good question. Um, uh, it's a really good question. <laughs> so, 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 yeah, so everyone's going to experience this a little differently. And, and I just, it's just like as a broad overview of connecting to consciousness, how do we pay attention with consciousness in mind? Well, I feel for me, it's like being able to receive. Like you can't go out and grab nature and you can't grab love. All you can do is be able to receive it. You know, be in a place of receptivity is a way to pay attention. You're not like, oh, let, look at that. Let me pay attention to it out there. But let, let me take that in. Let me um, take that in. David White, the poet, you know, in one of the phrases of one of his beautiful poems, he says, alertness is the hidden discipline of familiarity. And uh, so there is that aspect of, of um, paying attention. But one thing I wanted to sort of get to was, um, you know, we think of expanded consciousness, but earlier today and in the last few days, I find myself sort of in my sort of half dream state sometimes, remembering something in my childhood that I start to feel these pangs of grief around as far as loss, like that, you know, happened 65 years ago or something, you know, this moment when my father took us to the playground and it was like really fun. And, you know, most of what I remember of my parents was pretty, you know, not particularly pleasant, but I remember that moment. I thought like, wow, that was in that moment, there was, it was nothing but possibility. I mean, as a five-year-old or something, I wasn't thinking about that as a moment of possibility. I was just in it. And, I, you know, and I would sort of feel like, and then I had different moments. One was like, you know, it was drilled into me. And I, this was, I don't know, third grade or something. Like, you know, I had homework. And whatever you do, no excuses. You've got to bring it. You know, you've got to bring it tomorrow. And I was like a good little boy. I was going to bring it tomorrow. I walked to the school, uh, the bus stop, you know, and I got on the bus, you know, and I realized that I had left the homework at the bus stop. And I just started crying and crying. And But what I remembered 
where the, I don't even know who they were, but there were the couple of uh, older girls on the bus and they were reassuring me that it would be okay, it would be all right, the teacher's going to understand, you're not going to get in trouble. And the thing that I remember about that was the kindness that I experienced because I really felt reassurance. And I felt, as, and this was just earlier today, I was remembering that. And, and I felt this pang of like loss of that time of being in life, in, you know, where, where you're not even thinking about it. You're just in it, you know. And what, what you know, and it just made me feel this like, I said, like, oh, my God, I mean, that's just one incident in decades of experience. It's like, <laughs> if I don't, you know, if I, you know, if I go down this road, I'm going to drive myself completely nuts, <laughs> you know? And it's like, and so, uh, uh, but the thing that sort of comes to me is that the consciousness, my consciousness of, of that time is actually no different than consciousness now. And the only way I felt like I can handle it, and I think it's true, I think it might extrapolate to be true for any circumstance, I'm not sure, I haven't really thought it out, is that the consciousness of that, that was with me at that time when I was just immersed in life, you know, or just the joy or the panic or whatever, it's just the experiences flowing through me, wasn't sort of assessing my life. That consciousness is the same consciousness that's here now. Mm-hmm. And if I pay attention to consciousness, you know, my own consciousness now, I haven't lost anything. You know, that those experiences were imprints or content in the realm of consciousness, you know. And like, and I was thinking about that, you know, you talk about recover yourself, you know, it's sort of like, recover who you have always been. You're not finding something that you weren't before. You know, it's like, and so, so, you know, if that consciousness hasn't changed, and that's sort of, it's a little bit of a mental disconnect when you talk about, because you think about consciousness doesn't change, but then we talk about expanding consciousness and growth and stuff. Well, for me, I I, I think what what I'm getting at is expanding your access or awareness to consciousness, right? Expanding your relationship to consciousness because consciousness is, is that like, like again, poor wordage because there's nothing to, to like, if there was a word for it, it, it will immediately not be it. Right. <laughs> so, so for me, it's like, you know, like that is that God consciousness, that, that all consciousness that has always been. And we, and, and this idea of witnessing our relationship to that consciousness grow stronger and grow and grow into uh, what it's becoming. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, this 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 started in, and the reason that we're having this conversation is because this line of thinking started when uh, years ago you mentioned to me that like, OK, when when somebody went to kill somebody, they would torture them first. And then maybe let them out of their misery and kill them. And then one day someone came along and just murdered someone outright. And that is stepping into a, 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 a stronger connection with consciousness. And that, that little shift and, and going from, 
you know, people who uh, do like uh, death penalty versus people who do not and who that is not a, a, a proper way of treating individuals and, and you know, and, and going from eating meat to not eating meat or eating meat and then eating meat that is grown in a, in a humane way or like making these choices. As we make these choices, we are, we are moving in, incrementally closer to this higher God consciousness. Not that it is expanding, but our minds, our connection to it is what is expanding. Uh, for all we know, it may well be expanding, nonetheless. But right. put that aside uh, for a moment. I love that, by the way, because like just just constantly questioning, like, what is our assumption of yeah. like, right? Like, like, it's absolutely true. Like, what is inf infinite, you know? Oh, yeah, I understand that. It's this box of understanding I have around infinity. You know, so what is consciousness? You know, it's like, well, what is the mystery? You know, like, so anyway, but that's a whole nother maybe conversation, which, you know, could be really tedious if we get into it. So, <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> maybe interesting, I don't know. But, but that thing about, um, you know, like the difference between killing, torturing, and maiming, and raping or whatever, you know, just to, you know, get power over somebody. It's like, well, maybe I just need to, you know, rape and not torture or something. Or tor I don't know, whatever. You know. <laughs> all, all bad choices today, but yeah. <laughs> like, I don't want to make any value judgments about it. But it's like, you know, but like, I, but that represents a shift. I mean, it represents a shift, no matter how pathetically incremental it may be. Mm -hmm a shift, you know, where somebody who didn't do that might think, you know, how can I further torture and even create more havoc and pain, you know, and I think there's individuals and, you know, that are, uh, you know, might go that way. But once someone has actually taken a shift toward higher consciousness, as incremental as it is, they're on the path. You know, it might take 100,000 lifetimes, you know, Whatever, that's not the point. The point is, is that once you make a decision, even if it's a subconscious decision, something of your consciousness, whether you're, you know, whether it's subconscious or, or conscious conscious, um, something shifted and you've, you've diverted the direction of what your evolution of awareness is going to go. And, um, and, uh, uh, and I think, people can take some comfort in that because, I mean, I look at myself, I mean, I've done different things that have expanded my, what I would, you know, in terms of the language, expanded my consciousness or whatever. But at the same time, I've, I've really taken some severe sort of, you know, things that would be like falling back. And I think it's really key that we come to the point in ourselves that we don't judge ourselves for what we perceive as maybe, a step backward, like two steps forward, and we, oh, my God, I fell back one step, and right. blew it, and I thought I had it together, I thought I was so clear, I thought I was really on my path, and now I kind of blew it, and, and um, but I think that's kind of a part of the normal process, because I think once that initial shift is made in that direction, I don't think there's any turning back. Uh, but I could be wrong. I mean, I think people, I mean, I think there's free will, free choice. People can turn back if they want to, but if you've made that shift, it's because something in your heart and your soul and your being is longing to connect to its pure source. 
and 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 that once that happens you know it's sort of like the analogy of the closed heart but the one tiny crack you know lets the light in and once that happens it's like then it's a matter of like how aware you become of how quickly you want to go in that direction and just like i know i mean i fall a lot you know i would say and and and, but it but it seems like i always keep going and 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 I always, and I feel like I've grown in some way. I don't know how exactly, but. Right. Well, you know, a, a big, a big conversation that, that happens in the rooms of AA um, is this, this conversation of relapse as part of recovery, you mm-hmm. know, where it's like, oh no, falling down is, it's, it's, it's possible you will. Yeah. And just coming back to consciousness about, you know, that consciousness when I was five years old is the same consciousness that I have now. I mean, my awareness and experiences that have been overlaid and brought into it has changed, but the consciousness is like so rich with potential and that potential's never left us. You know, our experiences tend to sort of feel us close off to potential. Like, oh, well, when I was 20, I had my whole life ahead of me, but now I'm 60. It's like, I don't know old dogs don't learn new tricks or whatever, you know, and it's like, but no, that, but that consciousness, and that's why, you know, our answer lies in consciousness. It's not so much in our external actions, you know, it's not so much of, you know, me not going toward the thing that I'm addicted to as it is me going toward the consciousness that makes me feel whole. And the thing that's tricky is, you know, if I go toward the thing I'm addicted to, like there's this propensity to judge that. And the judgment is, I don't know if I would say it's as much or as more or maybe as significant as the addiction itself, because the judgment will kind of reinforce the circumstance. And, you know, then, you know, and then it's like, you know, well, I'm no good. Well, if I'm no good, I might as well just do what I'm going to do, you know, and it's like, and then it just sort of like, so the judgment is the key. Judgment stagnates energy, whether it's judgment of others or judgment of myself. And then that thing about like, sort of like, you know, in the, in the AA, the structure, like structure can be really valuable, right? I mean, sometimes we need a structure because that just kind of keeps us on schedule and kind of like it sort of, it, it keeps us kind of, you know, on track. So structure is really good. The difficulty is when we become so identified with the structure that, that it becomes very limiting. It's like, yes, for many people, relapse is part of the process of recovery. And I would venture to say probably for most people. But if that becomes like a maxim to live by, you're setting yourself up for relapse. Right. Or if it just becomes a a space where you're just like, oh, well, I suppose um, because relapse is part of recovery, like I'm not paying attention. I'll just relapse more. I'll I'll go for it. I'll go for the relapse. But that's the thing is like so many things and it's not just in recovery but just so many things where people have experienced expanded consciousness or some or some kind of growth we as humans just have this tendency to label it identify it and just sort of maybe maybe make a religion out of it in some fashion or another and and um something would actually help us grow becomes like this structure that then keeps us limited. I mean, we might have been here, and it's like, oh, my God, my, oh, I just grew to here. It's like, this is where it's at, you know? Yeah. And it closes off anything beyond that. 
you know, and structures have their place. And I think it's normal that we're always going to be sort of finding new identifications. You know, identifications in and of themselves aren't bad. They're just bad when we get addicted to the identification, when we kind of, you know, we feel like this is who I am. It's like, no, this is the best I've got for some level of identification until some broader sense comes in and I have something a little more expanded to identify with, recognizing that any identification we have ultimately is temporary. And so it's, it's very fluid, and, it's, and, and that's the thing we have to be really careful of in a society that's always asking you to define yourself, you know? And it's like, so, so like, oh, you know, are you this or are you that? We see now in a society so many, you know, sexual, gender identification. I mean, like, there's just, there's a lot of more resistance to actually being defined as anything. And I think this is really healthy because as soon as we define it, then it gives other people like, oh, you're this. Well, then I know what that is. And they start to put you in their box of what that means. Whether you, I mean, I say I'm a healer or I'm, you know, I'm a doctor or I'm a lawyer. It's like, you know, oh, you're a lawyer? Well, of course, you're always lying, right? You know, it's like, you know, I mean, our, you know, our, you know, the stereotypes. And, 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 um, and so anytime you are forced to, you know, like the society wants to define you because it wants to put you in a box. This We're coming into a time where we really realize, we have to realize that who I am can never fit into a box, ever. You know, and yeah, I've had to kind of pretend to be in this box periodically, maybe for my own survival at some point in my life. But ultimately, wherever I came from, before I was born, before I was conceived, it came from a place that was not contained in a box. And that's never changed. And that's really who I am. So we asked, how can I connect to the truth of who I am even more? And when we start putting boxes on that, we're closing ourselves off to that. But this is a time when we want to open to that. You know, even more. I mean, we're open. We're more open to it as humanity than I think. You know, it was a decade ago. You know, fifty years ago, whenever. You know, it's like. Um, but you know, it's interesting too because it's sort of like falling into going forward, but it's also falling into going back to where I came from, to who I am. Right. You know, this forward motion in the evolution of humanity is going to be, I think, the evolution of people realizing that they can be who they are. Mm-hmm. So, so, so this brings up a lot of like, like ideas. Um, one in terms, in terms of the labels that, that I, I recently released uh, a, a little clip with Lona Curry from rise up recovery. And we were talking about having to address the um, like me not wanting to address the idea that he was a trans man. Um. Well, my initial thought about that was like, you mention it because it's worth mentioning. So, you know, if somebody becomes trans, if somebody is trans, that's a valuable aspect of their life experience. I mean, if I, you know, uh, if I climb Mount Everest, that's a valuable aspect of my life experience and, you know, whatever else I if I skydive or something, and you know, not to not to quantify or qualify or compare this or that, but anybody's experience, whatever it is, contributes to the richness of who they are. 
mm-hmm. regardless of what it is, you know. And so, like, I can tell you I went skydiving, which is just a horrible example because I never have and I'm pretty sure I never will, but just for the sake of the argument. If I tell you I went skydiving, I don't have to justify why I did if I don't want to, but I can tell you that, you know, it changed my life, you know. And, and so in the context of expressing your life, everything that we've ever done or experienced is part of that. So you don't have to address it, but at the same time, you mention it or you acknowledge it or it's just part of the landscape, you know. And, mm-hmm. and, um, but the thing that I think is really important and another thing that sort of jumped out at me is that there's the thing about identification. And I think we get tripped up in identification. It's like, well, I don't really identify as this gender, so I, I really more identify as that gender. And I would say like, well, you know, pick your gender however you feel most comfortable. But I would say don't identify with any of it. You know, I mean, and, and the thing is, is the identification locks you in. And again, you know, I mean, like actually changing your gender. I mean, just it, could, it doesn't have to be that. It could be anything. But an example of changing your gender, um, that's an incredible experience. I have no doubt, you know, that it's like, I mean, it's like I don't can't even imagine what someone experiences going through that, you know, the, the thing that brought them to that, the thing that process going through that, the change afterwards, everything, you know, but, you know, and I, I don't think it's a good analogy to say skydiving, but for lack of a better thing, like if I skydived, you know, I don't become the person who just skydived. Right. Maybe I do for that day. <laughs> You know what I mean? You know, but it's like, you know, if like for the next 20 years, you know, I'm the guy that skydived, you know, that really gets old. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, well, what's your next thing you're going to do? Right. You know? And, you know, it's like, and, and, and that's the thing is we all have, you know, anytime we stop, anytime we create an identification that creates a label and a box, it's so easy to stop growing. Mm-hmm. Because if I say I'm trans, it's like, that's it? That's all you are? Right. That's not that interesting, actually. Right. You know, that's not that interesting. What's interesting is who you are. Right. That's beautiful. Um, so I also recently did an interview with someone. We talked about this idea of above the line energetic creativity and below the line energetic creativity. Work. Um, and I also wanted to talk about um, how that works in terms of above the line and below the line interactions. Like, you know, where does the energy like we talk about when we talk about below the line creativity, it comes from substance. It comes from gaining energy from something external, whereas above the line or that spiritual sort of openness to create is self driven. How does that relate here to us as humanity and working, you know, like from taking that choice to move forward versus versus taking the choice to torture or whatever. Um, We enter, into creation at a certain level of consciousness. And I don't know what the figures are. Let's just say there's, you know, 
let's just say there's like a hundred levels of, con- I mean, I don't even, these numbers mean nothing, but let's say there's a right. hundred levels of consciousness and we enter at, con- at level 50, right? So some people might enter, enter at level 42, some people might end at level 67, you know, whatever. But let's just say, you know, ultimately we want to, you know, grow, evolve, become aware enough to be at the level of 100, it, which is part of the, I think, the expanding evolution of consciousness at a bigger scale. So we're sort of like these beings. But there's free will. So some people feel like, well, wait a minute. I don't know about all that. You know, I can like, you know, maybe I could like kind of take advantage of some things for myself as a separate being, you know, so the sort of thing like, are we separate? Are we connected? We're kind of not sure. We have experiences. And so people go into a deeper sense of separation, deeper sense of separation, whether it's for power or for um, some sense of like gratification to feel worth something, you know, and as you go deeper into separation, you become less conscious of where you came from. And at some point, you lose touch with that. Well, I mean, not, you know, you, not, I mean, very few people that I know, but you can point to people, I suppose, but not wanting to point at people particularly. But uh, uh, at some point, you know, if you, in the, your free will, you descend below the level of consciousness that makes you aware of where you came from, you lose access to that being your source of energy. And you would die unless you can get energy from somebody else. You can, so one way to get energy from other people is to create fear and chaos and then tell people you're going to save them from that. So they gather around you to support you in saving that and you feed off of that energy. And, you know, one might point to somebody like Donald Trump is, being, is doing that. I, I, I don't know if I'm ready to actually say that about him, you know, although he seems to illustrate it. I mean, I have some other thoughts about that. But, but, um, but the thing being that uh, if, you, if you don't feel you have access to pure source, you need energy to survive. And to get energy, you need to suck it from other people. You know, uh, and, um, you know, it seems to me Trump gets his energy from his rallies, you know, but I'm speculating, I'm only speculating that mm-hmm. when he goes home and he feels completely empty. I mean, I've had experiences where I've been sort of, oh, get all this adulation. It's like, oh, yeah, I'm really great. You know, and then I go home, it's like, oh, man, I think I'm just going to go jerk off and just eat or something. It's like, you know, know, just like I don't feel great at all, you know. And it's like, and and so um, not that that's wrong, but it's sort of like, you know, where that energy that I was getting from outside of myself was only temporary. It wasn't really fulfilling anything, you know? And so, you know, we need to feel fulfilled and fulfillment comes from connecting with pure source. And, and, And we all have access to that and we all have free will that can take us closer to that. And we also have the yearning of our own heart 
that can invoke connection with that and will draw to us teachers or people that will help us, you know, uh, along the way, you know. And at the same time, we can invoke things that will take us deeper into separation and will draw to us circumstances that will provide for that. So it's really important to know the questions that you want to ask, because if you, you know, you ask the questions, you know, the universe seems like it's willing to answer. And, and uh, in terms of asking the right questions, like how can we phrase our questions or how can we put our questions out there so that we're, so that we're engaging in the consciousness that we have access to. Well, if I, you know, if I, if I put out the questions like, why do I always fuck up? You know, and the universe is like, well, let me show you. I'll help you fuck up a lot so you can find out why, you know? Mm-hmm. But they like, you know, you know, like, how can I connect to my higher self even more? It's like, oh, the universe says, well, I'll help you answer that question. So it's really important to see how you ask the questions of what you want, you know. And I think it's a little different than just, you know, manifesting your reality. But there is like, you know, it's really like for your own consciousness, like what are the questions you want to, you know, like if you keep saying like, why can't I ever do this? You know, you're actually putting energy into like finding out why you can't ever do that. And it's like, but, you know, why you can't ever do that? Why, why can't I ever do that well let me give you experience of never being able to do that so you can kind of have that you know that experience that you're asking for you know and then it's just like but then you have an experience where like you know like what is it that makes me so attractive to people and it's like well why don't i show you the universe goes why don't i show you it's just like you know okay yeah show me i really want to know what makes me attractive to people you know and it's like people show up and just say oh my gosh i really love the way the bookers hang out your nose <laughs> you know, it's like no i don't know i'm just making a joke but it's like you know but it's like like you know something will come into your life to show you why you're attractive to people so we you know and this is why this is the thing about it happening in consciousness if i try to externally make myself attractive to look like what i think that other person or those people what i think they want i'm going about it all wrong because i'm actually thinking that i'm not attractive without doing that without selling myself out to their idea And we know, I mean, sure, a lot of people get famous, you know, doing the same old thing, but it's usually very temporary and not very satisfying. But the people that we really love, the artists we really love, you know, are the ones who create something that's completely unique, which, you know, you know, I mean, I've seen artists, you know, like, oh, my dog, will you paint a picture of my dog that looks exactly like my dog? You know, it's like, well, okay, yeah, it's nice. Great, but is it something that's going to hang in a museum? Is it something that's going to really move people? It might move me because I love my dog. You know, am I like, oh, yeah, that looks just like her, you know? But it's like, but the thing that's going to move other people are going to be something that, that um, you know, 
doesn't fit anybody else's idea and might not even fit your own idea. You've probably had that experience as a painter. You know, you start out painting an idea and it comes out completely different. You're like, oh, wow, look what came out, right? Yeah. Who knew? I could, if I had decided what I was going to do beforehand, like that artist that's going to paint the picture of the dog, they, you know, they have a photograph. They know it's going to look exactly like the photograph. Where's the mystery in that? Where's the, I mean, granted, there's a lot of skill in that. Mm-hmm. You know, where's the surprise? Where's the growth, the evolution in that? Yeah, and that brings, you know, that brings up a, a number of things for me. Like one, you know, my portrait stuff. My portrait stuff is always just, I just approach it and make it and trust. Now there's been a lot of trust in the fact that, well, what's going to come is going to come and it's going to be right. And um, and so that trust is something that I've really had to uh, had to harness. And I've been doing portraits for partner twenty years now, so it's not like it's not like I haven't had the practice in that. But I, I did a portrait of one uh, of one woman who two years after I did her portrait contacted me and said, "You know, I really liked your portrait because it was your art and all of this stuff when you gave it to me, but I never thought it looked like me." The other day I looked at it and all of a sudden I recognized myself two years ago. I was like, it just, I ju- it just hit me that two years ago, this is what I looked like. And I didn't know it at the time. This is what you looked like. This is what she looked like. Yeah. 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 So she, she recognized in herself what she looked like two years ago in hindsight. But while she was in the process of looking that way, she didn't recognize herself. Oh, yeah. Nice. Yeah. So, so that idea that, and, and the portrait work that I do, it's so intimate and it's so just one-to-one. And, and now that it is part of my healing practice, it's, it's just, it's all about this idea of like, I want to connect with you so, so we can experience this. And then when you look at it, tell me what you see. I recently had someone tell me like, oh, it's gray and this is hideous and there's nothing pretty about this. And then we found out that that's how, you know, there's a lot of that that was going on in her life. And then like the next week, the third week that we, that we talked, she was like, you know, I'm starting to see a lot of really nice things. about this. And it's like, you know, because she's shifting. And so it's always how you see, how you perceive. Isn't that interesting? You know, and actually people, I'm sure you're doing portraits, you know, people can look very different the day, like the way you look now, you might look very different tomorrow. I mean, we actually do change. I think, oh, yeah. you know, it's not like, uh, we, you know, we usually don't change enough so I wouldn't recognize you, but it's like, but it's like uh, I've seen pictures of people and I've seen people where it's like, wow, they just look different, you know, and yeah. they don't look that way. It's just it's interesting. So there, there's a lot going on there. It's not just physical. Alan, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. I appreciate it. As far as evolution and our stepping into higher consciousness goes, I hope this conversation sparked some intrigue within you about the subject. Resistance to change is easy, but that's because it requires nothing of us. When you elect to get sober or just stop being an ass to a person you don't like, you're contributing to all of humanity stepping into a higher consciousness, and you get to reap the rewards. That doesn't always feel good in the moment due to the emotions and habits that are associated with the old ways of being, but those will pass as you continue to move forward. 
I want to say thank you to Alan for taking the time to dive into evolution and consciousness with me. So much of what this podcast and my work is rooted in revolves around trust and evolution. The ideas we've presented here are not super popular in the world today, but they're gaining steam. I encourage each of you to trust yourself a little bit more every day, even if it seems ridiculous at times. You know, when I started doing my blind portraits, I just had to have faith that I didn't need to physically see someone in order to actually see them. And it turned out I was right. So go trust yourself. You are much stronger than you currently believe yourself to be. And take Alan's advice. Listen to how you're asking for what you want. A simple shift to why can't I do this to how can I better approach this may bring a huge shift in your life. Thank you for listening to the Recover Yourself podcast. I'm your host, the recovery mentor, Martin John. If you're in recovery or if you work within the field of behavioral health, This podcast and my work can be a great help to your journey. Please consider making a monthly donation to this podcast on anchor.fm so I can continue presenting the good work of the big picture of recovery. If you enjoyed these conversations, pass it on. Help me reach those I don't have access to. If you're benefiting, then others can as well. I also want to invite you to contribute to my Patreon page. Links can be found in the description of this episode. As always, I love you, and until next time, keep recovering yourself.